This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. Previously on Space Train, Doug and the cadets faced off with the Doctor, the leader of the exiles and a creepy old guy who floated around in a hovering wingback chair. He tried to convince the cadets to enroll at his yet-to-be-built Academy of Exiles, but they declined, and he was not happy about it. The doctor tried to trap them in his hideout, but with a little help from the Norb, the cadets broke free. Just before the doctor could zip off the planet, he captured Blobby on his way out. 
And now for episode 16, Down the Hole. Doug marched through the train cars, searching for Lydia, hoping to talk to her about their recent encounter with the doctor. He'd prepared some clever nicknames for him and couldn't wait to see what she thought of them. As he practiced them under his breath, he finally found her in the zoo car with Dallas. Oh, hey, Doug, she said as he walked into the room. Doug gave a weak wave. Lydia laughed and awkwardly settled into a saddle strapped to a zebra. Are you sure it's okay with this? She asked Dallas, who was holding her up. I feel like I'm making her uncomfortable. First of all, it's a he, Dallas corrected. Second of all, zebras love to be ridden, okay? People ride them all the time in the wild. It's a thing. Lydia looked at him incredulously. You're totally making that up. Okay, it's not normal, but I promise this little pony's tamed. I've ridden him twice already. Doug waited for Dallas to hop on with her and show her how it was done. He'd probably throw in a few yee-haws and obnoxious yahs while he was at it. Doug imagined himself tackling Dallas the second he climbed up. When did he have time to ride a zebra anyway? What, did he sneak in here after hours to train wild animals? Doug took a look around. Like the train rec center, the zoo car was big and spacious, but there was hardly room to gallop. Dozens of exotic animals sat quietly in their themed exhibits. Giraffes ate from baskets of food tied to poles 20 feet up. A jaguar lay sprawled out over a fake rock under a waterfall. Beside it, a big circular window gave a glimpse out into space. Orangutans swung from ropes in the back and looked at him like they were enjoying this awkward moment. They stopped playing and picking at each other's backs long enough to come to the front of their cage, chew on carrots, and stare. Doug wondered how they didn't get spooked by the big windowed views of space zipping by outside their exhibits. Now, hold the reins like this, Dallas coached. Perfect. You're a natural. He climbed up onto a zebra of his own. The wild animal whinnied under his weight. Oh, please. They're going on a romantic trot through the zoo car? Doug channeled all his jealous energy into biting his lower lip. He hoped their orangutans started throwing poop. Okay, now just follow close behind me and we'll do a little circle, Dallas said. Just stay away from the lion's cave in the corner. It makes them nervous. Yee-haw! Came a shout from across the room. Dallas and Lydia turned to see Doug straddling a big ostrich. Yeah! Yeah! Doug slapped the ostrich's feathery backside. That was a mistake. Spooked, the ostrich took off. Flailing around like a rag doll, Doug bounced and jerked on the running bag of feathers as the ostrich bolted around the room. The ride was extremely uncomfortable and bumpy. Too bumpy to be able to see if Lydia looked impressed or not. Uh-oh, he was sliding off. Doug grabbed onto the ostrich's long pink neck and held on for dear life. 
It was like the first time he'd ridden the carousel in the mall, terrifying and disorienting. He almost cried out for his mommy, but held his tongue to not look like a baby in front of Lydia. A few more painful laps around the room, and the ostrich had had enough. It screeched to a halt, launching Doug into the orangutan cage. Clung! Metal bars wobbled and vibrated from the impact. The orangutans laughed and clapped at the free show. Doug, are you okay? Lydia said, hopping off her zebra and running over to him. Doug brushed away her helping hand as he stumbled to his feet. I'm good, I'm good. I did that on purpose. It's called the ostrich ditch. We did it all the time back on the ranch. The ranch? Dallas asked with an eyebrow raised, still sitting atop his tamed zebra. Doug scowled at him. Yeah, the ranch. He felt a sharp pain zing through his elbow. Oh, Doug, that looks pretty bad, Lydia said. Here, let's get you to the medic car and have the bots patch you up. I'm fine, seriously. I just need to... I've got to go do something. Humiliated and squirming in pain, Doug marched out of the zoo car and headed straight for the Cosmic Cafe. There was only one surefire way to wash down his misery, and that was with a good old hover shake. Minutes later, he was sitting alone in a booth, spinning a hovering metal cup full of cookies and cream shake. A distorted cloud of haze emitted out of the bottom of the cup. Doug stared at his pathetic reflection in the cup before taking another sip. That is his third shake, one of the chef bots said in the background. He looks so sad and lonely, said another. If I had feelings, I would pity him. Hello, I can hear you. You guys are like ten feet away. The bots bonked into each other as they zipped back to work. Leo sat down across from him and raised his hands in a questioning gesture, a look of genuine concern on his face. Ah, girls, Doug said before taking another sip. Why do we do really dumb things to try and impress them? Leo shrugged with a smile. What were you doing in here all alone? Leo hesitated and then pointed back towards the zoo car. Doug immediately knew what he meant. Look, if Dallas wants to hold a grudge against you, that's his problem. He's kind of a hard guy to get along with sometimes. Especially now that Blobby's gone. It's like someone stole his favorite dog. Don't take it personally. He's been like this for the last few days. Lydia's the only one who can cheer him up. Of course, he added under his breath. Dude, Leo, the rest of us don't hold what happened with Diva against you. We get it. She offered you a super sweet gig and you almost jumped on it. Big deal. We've moved on. Leo looked down at the table and twiddled his thumbs. Doug could tell there was something about it that Leo really wanted to tell him. There's more? What is it? Doug asked. Come on, you know you can trust me. Leo looked nervously over both of his shoulders. After giving Doug one more long, unsure look, he mimed a big hairdo. Diva, Doug interpreted. Leo pointed to himself. And you? Leo thought for a second and then interlocked his fingers. Hold hands? That's kind of weird, 
She's like three times your age. Leo shook his head. Rethinking his explanation, he tried again, this time tapping his head, miming himself and Diva, and then pointed to Doug and himself. You know each other? Doug guessed. Leo nodded and then paused, debating whether he should explain further. Taking a deep breath, he hunched over and started his next gesture. What have we here? Goro asked, walking up to their table. His digital screen mouth was smiling, but unless Doug was seeing things, it looked like his robot face was giving Leo a look. If robots can do such a thing... Leo shrank back in his chair. The chef bots told me you've had three hover shakes already, Doug. Congratulations. You've had a month's worth of calories in one sitting. That's impressive and appalling. Is everything all right? Doug shook his head at the snooping chef bots peeking out from behind the ice cream station. I told them I was fine. The bots quickly ducked under the counter, quieting their beeps and boops. Very well, Goro said. I do suggest you take it easy on the ice cream station. If your parents found out I'd been feeding you a bunch of ice cream, they'd power me down for good. Except they don't know you exist, Doug said. They'll just assume I overate at science camp, which is technically correct and totally believable. I'm a nervous eater. Indeed. Now, if you will both follow me to the planetarium, there is another mission I would like to discuss. Doug got another hover shake to go and followed Goro through the train to the planetarium. When he and Leo got there, Dallas and Lydia were already seated next to each other, chatting up a storm. What could they be talking about? Doug wondered. What wild animal they're going to tame tomorrow? They'll probably come strolling into the cafe tomorrow riding a cheetah. He sat down on the other side of Lydia and tried to ignore them. Are you feeling any better? Lydia asked him. "Mm Mm-hmm. Doug nodded, still looking straight ahead. Goro stood behind his podium and pressed a button, making the domed room darken, their seats recline, and the screen turn on above. An image of a giant black hole filled their view. Waves of light and dust pulled towards it and swirled down into it like a giant toilet bowl floating in space. Goro pointed to it with his laser. Black holes are places in space where gravity pulls so much that not even light can escape it. The gravity is so strong in these massive regions because matter has been squeezed into a tiny space. It is a place where matter has collapsed in on itself. Many are a few times larger than our sun. These are called stellar mass black holes, and they are formed when an enormous star dies in a supernova explosion. We are headed for one of these as we speak. Lydia shot up. You're taking us into a black hole? She asked. But won't that suck us into oblivion? Close. First you will be stretched into spaghetti, and then broken up into countless subatomic particles before swirling down into oblivion. Lydia swallowed. But don't worry, you won't be getting anywhere near the black hole's event horizon, or its point of no return out of boundary. I will bring the space train within a safe distance, park, and hold position while you four escort the knob into the black hole. 
You're destroying the Norb? Nearly all the cadets said in one form or another. We think, I mean, I believe, this is the only way to ensure it is destroyed. The Norb itself is incredibly durable, and based on my detailed examination, shows no signs of weakness to more simple means of destruction. But we just started using it, Doug said. It gives us the upper hand against the exiles, Dallas argued. We need it to enhance our abilities. I would have to disagree with you, Dallas, Goro replied. When you were all recruited to this team, the Norb wasn't even in the picture. You were chosen for the unique skills and abilities you already possessed. I am confident you will do just fine without it. In no way am I questioning its usefulness. I'm certain we could have continued to use the Norb to our advantage, but I think we can all agree that our last encounter with the Doctor was a close call. Power such as this in his hands is beyond dangerous. It is apocalyptic. I don't understand its power, and I'm certain he is equally naive. Such power in the hands of incompetence is a horrifying prospect. Doug, Lydia, and Leo agreed, but Dallas wasn't convinced. He can't touch us as long as we have that thing, he insisted. Without it, we're weak. The Norb will not make you invincible. You're wrong, Dallas interrupted. You're just worried we'll get too powerful. Doug and the others shot him a look. The doctor told us you've done terrible things and that you're a liar. How do we know you're not lying now? Stop, Doug snapped. We have no reason not to trust Goro. That's not what the doctor says. What, you're going to take the doctor's word over his? After all we've been through? Dallas sat back and shook his head. I don't like it. It's a stupid idea. I think it's the only way to be safe, Lydia told him. I know you want Blobby back, and that means at some point we're going to have to confront the doctor again. And if we have the Norb on us when we do, he'll have a chance to take it. Or I'll just use the Norb to pound him into the ground, Dallas retorted. Dallas, Goro said. I've put a lot of thought into this, and I am confident it is the best solution. The Norb must go. End of discussion. He pointed back up to the screen with his laser. As I was saying, I will stop a safe distance from the black hole, and we will launch the Norb into it using a propelled capsule. To make sure no debris or people interfere with its short journey, you will all escort it remotely using jet zappers. Goro clicked his remote, and the screen displayed a little silver space jet, decked out with six jet engines, three sets of wings, and two sets of cannon blasters. They looked super slick. Sweet, Doug said when he saw it. We get to fly in those things? Thank heavens, no. Like I said, they are to be controlled remotely. Each one of these is no bigger than a pillow, so they're easy to maneuver and shouldn't call attention to themselves. Goro clicked the remote and the screen showed piles of cash. And they are extremely expensive, so please try not to bang them up too much. I'm hoping we can turn them around in time to salvage them. You'll carefully control them from here, in the planetarium, using a control pad worn around your waist. 
The screen above you will split into four sections, each displaying the viewpoint of your individual jet sapper. Doug, as captain, you will lead the charge. Doug looked at Lydia out of the corner of his eye to see if she was bothered by that. Surprisingly, she didn't seem to mind. No scoffs or obvious eye rolls. Goro pressed another button on his podium, and the control pads dispensed out of their seats and clipped together around their waists. <clears throat> Doug's was a tad snug. He felt like he'd squeezed into a pair of pants two sizes too small. The lights under the control pad buttons lit up as the screen above them split into four. Wait, this is happening now? Dallas asked. No time to lose, Goro said. The sooner we're rid of it, the better. Grab onto your joysticks and ready for ignition? No, I don't want to get rid of it. Goro, we're not done talking about this. Dallas tried to yank his controls off, but they wouldn't budge. And we're off. Goro pulled a lever and they watched from four different angles as a little rocket-propelled capsule carrying the Nor blasted out into space towards the black hole. Doug, Lydia, and Leo slammed their joysticks forward. Zoom! Out flew the jet zappers. Okay, Lydia, you and me will guard it from the sides. You get the right, I'll take the left. Leo, you and Dallas watch it from the rear. You get behind me and Dallas, you trail Lydia. Lydia and Doug's jet zappers hit the boost and coasted up next to the capsule while Leo hung back. Dallas did his own thing. His silver jet boosted right up behind the capsule. Dallas, that's too close, Doug said. You're going to knock it off course. Don't mind if I do, Dallas mumbled, testing out the different buttons on his control pad. Almost as soon as they were all in position, the debris started towards them. Rock, three o'clock, Doug shouted. Lydia's jet barrel rolled to the right and unloaded its zap cannons on a huge gray rock tumbling towards the capsule. A rapid blur of blue blasts bullseyed the rock and turned it to powder. The resulting dust sprayed against their jets like a gust of sandy wind. Nice shot, Doug cheered. Thanks. Three huge hunks of metal space junk floated into their path. Lydia and Doug's jets unloaded on them until they exploded into a burst of sparks just before they reached the capsule. Lydia let out a deep breath. That was close. Whoa, Mama! Doug yelled as a huge hunk of ice shadowed his jet behind him. It was too fast and too big to dodge. Suddenly, with a bright burst of light, the block of ice shattered into slush. Leo's jet zoomed up through the glittering icicles. Woo! Thanks, Leo. Leo nodded with a smile. Goro watched anxiously. If he weren't a robot, he'd be sweating. Dallas kept hovering just behind the capsule as he fiddled with his controls. Finally, he flipped a switch and mechanical arms with clamps dropped down under his jet. Doug peeked over at Dallas's section of screen and saw him flying up over the capsule and trying to grab onto it with the clamps. What are you doing? Doug said, yanking his joystick to the right and making his jet ram Dallas's jet out of the way. Back off, bro. I'm not going to let you guys help destroy this thing. Dallas jerked his joystick, making his jet slam back into Doug's. Come on, guys, knock it off, Lydia scolded. Cadets, these are not toys, Goro barked. Dallas, 
Stand down. Don't make me shut off your jet. Lydia and Leo kept blasting away debris while Doug and Dallas's jets scuffled over the capsule. Their wings clinked and clanked as they banked away and came ramming into each other, sparks flying with every hit. Scavengers ahead, Goro announced. They all looked further up their screen and saw tiny saucers approaching. Goro typed into his podium and brought up a box in the top right corner, showing a grotesque green creature oozing out of a disc-shaped spaceship. Blubbery and bulging, the creature's rolls seemed to become one with the ship, like a nasty mold growing up out of a metal bowl that had been left in the fridge. Jelly trolls, Goro said. They'll scavenge any hunk of junk in the galaxy. For them, a jet-propelled capsule is like finding floating gold. Keep them away. Doug pulled back from Dallas long enough to fire on the first wave of jelly trolls. Boom, boom, boom! A few of the tiny fungus pirates took direct hits, bursting into flashes of light or tumbling off course. But the rest of them charged on, firing a barrage of gooey blasts. Plap, plap, plap! Green guck splattered the side of Lydia's jet. Her engines slowed. Mischievous high-pitched laughs sounded over the speakers. <laughs> Doug unloaded on them. Blue balls of light streaked from his cannons, tearing through the attacking ships. Boom! The last of them lit up like a firework. Leo hovered in close to Lydia's jet and carefully singed the guck off it. Before she could thank him, she caught a glimpse of Dallas's scream. Dallas, no! She cried. The rest of them looked at Dallas's screen and saw him lowering his jet's mechanical arms over the capsule. Dallas, we're so close, just let it go! Doug pleaded. Dallas ignored him, the little metal prongs clamping down over the capsule. That's it, I'm shutting off your jet, Goro said. He pressed a button and an annoying honking noise sounded through the speakers. He pressed it again and again, but all he got was the honking noise. Blast! You two bashed my remote sensors! Dallas grinned. Don't worry, Goreman. You'll thank me later. We need this. No. Doug made his jet do a barreling backflip until it flew directly behind Dallas. You need this. All six of his cannons charged, and then, ZABOOM! A single combined blast blew Dallas's jet to smithereens. The explosion blew the Norb capsule off course, but Leo quickly caught it with his jet's arms, then corrected course and charged straight into the black hole. Everyone watched as Leo's jet and the capsule flew past the event horizon and stretched and stretched and stretched until they broke into millions of tiny particles and vanished into the hole. Dallas ripped off his dead control pad and stormed out of the room. Once Lydia and Doug had brought their jets back to the space train, everyone went to their separate quarters. Nobody was in the mood to mingle. Doug felt like they were more divided than ever. He understood why Dallas didn't love the idea of destroying the Norb. He had his reservations too, but had Goro ever led them astray? Speaking of Goro, there was something Doug had been meaning to tell him. They still hadn't told Goro about the doctor's offer to join his academy. He wasn't sure if they'd all held back because they were seriously considering it, 
or if they had just legitimately forgotten to tell him. Either way, the deadline was approaching, and if the doctor's threat to force them to enroll was sincere, they'd need Goro's help to fight him off. Doug headed up to the cockpit to tell him. Goro, I'm sorry about the jets, he said, sitting down next to the robot conductor. Goro's metal mustache turned up with a smile. You might have cost me a small fortune, but you did the right thing, Captain. Sometimes, great leaders have to make difficult choices with very little time to spare. Doug thought about the doctor's academy and his offer. Goro... Goro held up a metal hand. Before you say anything, Douglas, I need you to know that some of what the doctor told you may have been true. A knot formed in Doug's stomach. I told you before that I let pride get the best of me at the academy, but I left out some details for your own good. Too much information could have caused confusion and hindered our trust. For a moment, Doug didn't know what to say. He made it sound like you sold your research to bad people. Questionable people. Yes, that much is true. Goro nodded. A mistake I will regret for the rest of my existence. Like most of us, I've made my share of mistakes. But I've learned from them, and am a changed man. He held up his geared joints. Quite literally. Doug wasn't satisfied. The doctor said you were just using us for your own personal gain. Now that is preposterous. To what end? We've done nothing but combat him and his exile since you've been out here. He said that you just wanted to use us to overthrow him. And take over as enslaver of the universe? Please, surely you don't believe that. Doug thought about it for a moment. Could he picture Goro taking over the universe and enslaving worlds? Had he ever shown signs of being power-hungry? No, not really. As far as he could tell, Goro hadn't ever given them any reason to question his loyalty. He'd helped them every step of the way. Still, he could have provided a little more detail when he originally told them his story. When were you planning on telling us about these questionable people you worked with? Doug asked. In due time, when the situation permits. Doug accepted the fact that he wasn't going to get any more out of him. At least not now. Okay, he said, getting up to leave. Doug. Doug stopped and turned back. I'm sorry I wasn't more upfront about my past but I am confident you will understand my reasoning in the future. Until then, I hope you will give me the chance to earn back your trust. Goro tilted his head. What was it you wanted to tell me? There was a long pause. Doug looked at the ground and then up at Goro. Nothing, he said. He turned and walked out of the room. Hey, Rocketeers! I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Space Train. 
which is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast, and I hope you guys learned a little something about black holes, which, like Goro explained, are places in space where gravity pulls so much that even light can't get out. And they're huge. They range in size from, you know, a few times bigger than our sun to what are called supermassive black holes, which are more than a million suns together. Now, black holes are pretty mysterious, but we know that stellar black holes are made when the center of a very big star falls in on itself or collapses in on itself. And when that happens, it causes a supernova. And when those puppies are created, you do not want to be anywhere near it. Very interesting stuff. And you'll see black holes mentioned quite a bit in science fiction because they're big, powerful, menacing, and mysterious. So, of course, I couldn't help myself. I hope you guys had fun listening to this story today. And don't forget to check in next Monday for an all-new episode. You guys are awesome. This is your host, Greg Webb.